I believe every one of us can create beautiful images, feel fulfilled and improve our well-being through photography. The Quiet Landscapes podcast explores the life and work of photographers, creatives and thought leaders through monthly conversations that will inspire you. My name is Margaret Soraya and I'm delighted that you are listening. So I have Marianthi with me and I'm delighted to have her on the podcast because I absolutely love her work. In fact, I have a piece of your work on above my mantelpiece. I'm sitting here looking at it, actually. Um, so Marianthi's work is really interesting and she's basically an artist who combines photographic techniques with mixed media. And she does this to interpret cycles of ebb and flow. And this is so intriguing to me. So I'm so glad that you agreed to come on, Marianthi. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for inviting me. It's wonderful to uh, to be invited and to have the chance to, you know, we all like to kind of talk about our influences and our, and our work. So thank you for the opportunity. That's wonderful. So do you want to maybe just start off by telling us a little bit about the work itself? So what form it takes, because that's probably the starting point. Um, yeah, it's um, basically um, I'm using the, the cyanotype process. Uh, so one of the sort of what I call, you know, alternative photographic processes. Um, so specific and it's probably one of the um, one of the easier of the sort of alternative um, photographic processes to use. So basically it's the cyanotype process. Um, with maybe more of a kind of contemporary twist to it. So cyanotypes, which were, gosh, invented, I don't know, 150 years ago, 1850 or so, and they were um, traditionally used for, um, or initially sort of used for more sort of botanical contact prints, made famous by Anna Atkins, uh, first um, female um, sort of photo book producer, actually, just as, a, as an aside there. Um, so traditionally, they've been used as to, you know, sort of contact prints, and then it's sort of evolved um, over a period of time. And actually, people may recognise the old term blueprint, uh, which was used in architectural sort of um, practices, what was actually made using cyanotype process. Um, but basically, because I kind of live by the sea, I'm inspired by coastal, initially photography, um, but it's the, the sea and the literal, L-I-T-T-O-R-A-L, the literal landscape that really, really inspires me. Um, I wanted to sort of how do I can how do I interpret that that literal landscape using this process and the whole background to how I kind of got started in it but basically it's taking out sheets of paper out onto the beach and I live very very close to the beach 100 yards from um, from the sort of tip of the northwest uh, um, uh, part of Wirral Peninsula so I'm very close to the beach and I walk it every day and I've photographed it for many many years um, so what I'm doing is taking out, um, you know, large sheets of paper, coated, pre-coated with the with the light sensitive cyanotype chemicals. That's all done beforehand. Um, taking the chemicals out in a light sealed bag, so just in a rucksack, because as soon as those papers um, are exposed to the to daylight to UV light chemical reactions start taking place, the colours change, etc. And, and some folks have been on the beach, you know, sort of previously used, um, um, you know, shells or seaweed to make contact prints as opposed to botanical material from their garden. Um, but I'm sort of going out and using um, the, the movement of the waves and the movement of sand um, to make marks and... Um, and sort of leave imprints basically on those papers and they be, it becomes a permanent imprint. Uh, so it's the sea 
uh, seawater that is washing the, the that partly washing the chemicals away. Um, and every print, every print is completely unique, marking a particular sort of moment in time and a, and a particular combination of um, light and seawater and um, sand and sediment. Um, so, that, so that's the, the start of the process. That's the fun bit. <laughs> and then I come back to the studio, to my, my home studio, um, and I'm adding other bits um, onto that mixed media um, sort of elements, which has evolved over the past few years. So, so that's kind of it in a bit of a nutshell, um, inspired by um, another artist in America, because I feel like I kind of have to... Um, sort of do due diligence here and, and um, talk about inspiration. So there's um, an artist called Megan Repanoff, um, US artist, who I'd seen her work oh, around 2016 when my creative kind of crisis was, was building in terms of using the camera and where to go next and seen her work. And she uses that very, the same sort of process, but takes out huge sheets of paper, exposing them to huge waves and makes gigantic prints and installations. Um, and as soon as I kind of saw that, I was like, wow, you know, this is maybe what I'm looking for in terms of a slight change of direction and putting down the camera for a while and seeking new ways of interpreting my big old beach, basically. Um, but then the mixed media sort of additions was the wanting to add something, to take that process which had been inspired, whilst particularly that the waves washing over them by by Megan Repanoff, and and not just wanting to sort of copy what somebody's done, because you do that to start with. We all do. We're all inspired by and want to recreate something that we love. But then in terms of being able to move forward with that and kind of publish it and and, and maybe you know try and sell the work, I guess. Um, feel like you sort of need to add something of yourself and um, add a bit to that process and take it a bit further forward. So, um, yeah, I've been adding things, literally adding things to the to the papers and, um, you know, gold leaf and wax and threads and all sorts of things to try and put my, um, um, you know, my sort of spin, my take, my interpretation on that process, really. Does that kind of make sense? <laughs> it does, because I've been um, obviously I've been watching your work for for quite a while, and I'm just instantly drawn to it. It's, it's something that's really um, probably the colours, the sea, you know, because mm -hmm. I love the sea. I love these turquoise blues. Um, I'm just drawn to it, and I love the sort of abstract nature of it and the feeling of being by the sea. And I think you've just really captured that in uh, a process that is absolutely intriguing and fascinating um so i started doing some cyanotypes last year during lockdown when we had a bit of sunshine and i just wanted to try them so but i got um i mean i i, I it was okay and i was kind of like but i'm not really that interested in in flowers or nature and so these the you know the traditional kind of leaf cyanotypes don't really interest me so i i didn't really take it any further but the colors on the paper behind it did actually interest me. So I find what you're doing just, um, it's just so nice that you've found that, that way of expressing something that you're drawn to in a completely different way. I think it's amazing. So I'm really, really enjoying talking to you because I, I really wanted to know for myself how you were doing this. Uh, I mean, it's, it sort of comes from that whole, you know, live by the beach, for the whole, virtually the whole of my life, I sort of grew up a, a mile away from here. So I'm living right at the very sort of northwest tip of the of the Wirral Peninsula. I'm sort of sandwiched between 
Liverpool, big city, and North Wales, and where it's quite a small um, peninsula, it's quite built up in some areas. And the town that I sort of live in, you know, there's like five thousand people live here. It's not remote by any stretch, but I live very much, by, you know, sort of right next to this big old beach, uh, you know, wide expanse of sand. So I grew up a mile away from here, um, moved away as soon as I could at age eighteen, and travelled and worked and what have you, and found my way back here, you know. Sort of 15, 20 years ago, what have you. But basically, because I've lived by the coast for virtually all of my life, I, you know, I'm just drawn to um, to those sort of wide open spaces, that literal landscape, that um, that sort of impermanence um, of, of you know of sort of ebb and flow, the fact that the tide is resculpting the landscape twice daily. So it's it's the most dynamic part of of the landscape, really. Um, and I guess also sort of in common with most people who, who kind of have spent much of their lives by the sea, I, I, I feel a bit claustrophobic when I've been inland for more than a few days. So I do love to, you know, I'll go to the mountains and we'll do walks, you know, sort of inland. But after a few days, I just feel there's something not kind of quite right in my world. And I'm just drawn back to, to that coast again. So because of all that, certainly when I you know, first picked up the camera, you know, 2006, 2007, what have you, it's, it's always been about the coast. It's always been about coastal photography, seascapes, um, seeking out other coastal edge lands. So I kind of look out north, northwest, I'm facing towards the Outer Hebrides, towards Iceland, towards Greenland. We have migratory birds that visit us in the autumn and winter that come from those parts of the world. So when the birds come, I'm kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're bringing with them their stories from, you know, those northern lands. So I feel a great affinity with other coastal edge lands, with communities that live at the edge. So I guess it then follows that any work that I create, whether that be with a digital camera or with using the cyanotype process or whatever I'm doing, that wanting to express myself visually is about the place that I love or the places that I relate to, really. And, you know, it's, it's that's the same for many, many people, isn't it? Yes, it is. I think there's um, only a few people that really, well, maybe as you mature, you start to understand that more, um, that those early connections with the coast or with forest, whatever it is for you, they're so important because they're, they're, they're deep within your heart, aren't they? And um, you connect to those things and to, to, to want to photograph them or to, to create art from them over and over. You have to have those real real connections. It's really important. Um, a lot of people struggle to find that thing, um, but it's usually there. And I think you've done, you've just found it and you've, you've run with it and you've developed and you've evolved, haven't you? Which is, it's just, it's really, it's a really good thing uh, to yeah. And I think, I think it's sort of what I found over the years, it's, it's really, it's tricky, that evolving thing, it can be really um, challenging um, because certainly if you, you know, if you're traveling around a lot and, and certainly in the early days of photographing, and it was always landscape photography I was interested in, coastal, but, but landscape, I certainly did my fair share in the first year or so, you know, 2007, 2008, that sort of time, you know, picked up the digital camera, wow, this is what I want to do. And I did my fair share of traveling to those kind of, um, you know, those honey pot for the, you know, lack of a better word, those locations that I'd seen on the Internet or I'd seen in magazines. And I wanted to, you know, recreate those in my own way. So I, I did that. But ultimately, it sort of felt a bit kind of hollow and um, and then I made the image. But then, you know, so what in a way? I didn't have that necessarily that connection 
Whereas over the years, if you do find something that you love, a place that you love or a, a part of the landscape that you love or whatever it may be, um, then that's a wonderful thing because it means that you can, you know, you can sort of focus on that. But it does mean that you're also left at certain periods of time with creative block, because how do you continue over a period of you know years or decades or whatever it may be to interpret that um, space, that place, that landscape in a way that, that satisfies you, basically. It kind of doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, but it's got to satisfy you, hasn't it? It's got to, um, you know, give you that buzz, give you that, you know, that feeling of, um, you know, I've achieved something until you then move on to the next thing, because it's always the next thing that you're wanting to create, really. So that challenge over the years of how to sustain the interest, how to do something a little bit different for, for me, you know, not for the world, as it were, but how to keep myself inspired and interested and, um, and yeah, motivated because I, I love this space and I, I want to continue to interpret it, really. I think that's um, something a lot of people will identify with. It's really nice to hear you talk about that because it's that question of, yeah, how do you evolve your work? And when you go into the, the space of experimenting and trying something new, it's hard, isn't it? Because you, you, your initial work's never quite as good as the work that you've been, you know, honing. And um, But I think it's really important for people to do that and to remember that at the, in the early processes, part of the process, you know, that you're learning, it'll be a lot of um, failure and then mm-hmm. evolve and then mature, but you have to keep going. So do you, when you first started exploring the cyanotype process, did you find that? Did you find it a little bit you know, you were battling with that a little bit to get it to... Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Everything that you're saying, I'm nodding in the background. Yes, yes, and yes. Um, Yeah, I mean, completely... uh, I'm I'm a perfectionist, so you sort of should know this from from the word go. And I think one of the reasons that I shift... I mean, there were many reasons that I kind of shifted to want to do a more sort of hands-on and experimental kind of approach, as it were. Um, But yeah, uh, sort of basically that... um, that sort of whole experimenting is immensely frustrating, but it kind of helps um, certainly perfectionists to not always be a perfectionist and not think, okay, I've really honed this to how I want it. And I've got my photographic image, which is, you know, tightly kind of controlled. I know my process. Um, I'm, you know, sort of, I know what I'm doing in terms of competition, composition rather. Each element is placed exactly in this, you know, way that I want it to be. But I was finding that I was just repeating myself and making the same, not literally the same image, but I'm making the same sort of images all the time, which is why I sort of put the camera to one side and wanted to do something that had much more of a random um, sort of dependent on nature. I'm dependent on the waves. I'm in control back in the studio where I'm trying to add things. And that's where there's a bit of swearing and cursing and frustration. Um, but it, it, I've really sort of found over these past, you know, I've been doing this for three, four years with the cyanotypes and evolving into mixed media, that it's so important to fail. It's so, you know, I, I didn't like to, I don't like to fail. I am this perfectionist personality, but the failing and the embracing it, because unless you fail, you always learn something. You always learn, okay, well, that didn't work. Now, why didn't it? Well, I'm not going to do that again. But actually, something came out of it that was potentially of interest, there was a new colour or there was a new texture, or I found I liked this, but I hated that. So you take forward different elements and that can apply to anything that that you're doing, whether it's, you know, with your digital photography, whether it's cameraless techniques, but yes, to not fear 
the failure. And I did, you know, I failed many, many, many times, many times, and I still do, but I maybe know a little bit more now than I did four years ago. (laughs) Yeah, it's that that pushing through, isn't it? I'm starting to, I'm actually quite similar to you in that I've got my photography process that's quite, I know what I'm doing with my waves and my slow Mm shoes, but I'm wanting to take that that a little bit further and to keep exploring the water, the waves. Um, So I'm painting a little bit and, um, that is so frustrating because it just it's just it's just hard it's hard because you don't know what you do you don't quite know which media to be using how to be using it and um it's just so important to just keep going with it so I I totally understand that and I think it's really important that people hear that because sometimes we see like I see your work it's so beautifully done and you know what you're doing I can tell um but to have got there we, we don't always see that do we we think and if you could just see there. now, as I walk into my, my my back bedroom is now my sort of studio, so the back double bedroom, we don't have guests to stay anymore, they can stay elsewhere when they're able to come. So the back bedroom is sort of converted into a studio and all over the floor, there are, you know, sort of bits of cyanotype prints, bits from the beach um, with um, sort of mount board apertures over them. I'm trying to kind of, you know, get compositions, kind of chopping and slicing. And I'm walking into that space a number of times, I'm thinking, oh, nothing's working. Oh, this is hopeless. You know, I'm not going in the right direction and the frustration there. And then, then something will reveal itself or you'll suddenly get a spark of inspiration. And that can happen in any media that you work in, I have found over the, the years. So you get there, event. you do get there eventually, by hook or by crook, <laughs> you do get yeah. there eventually. And you learn, you know, learn such a lot along the way. Yes, that's right. It's learning from it and not thinking I'm failing. It's le- what do you learn from it and pushing through that 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 point, isn't it? Um, when I was looking um, through your it was Instagram that I found you on initially, I was looking through it and I noticed that sort of 2017 before that you were showing photographic prints. So that was around about the time that you started to to evolve, was it? Yeah, I'd, I'd say, because I sort of took up photography, um, sort of, i say it was around about that kind of advent of digital. So, you know, 2006, 2007, and worked for from then until, you know, the, the time that you'd mentioned, so 2016, 17, um, purely with a digital camera. I think I, I did try a bit of film photography, but essentially it was digital um, and um, basically was um, sort of making, have been making a, a living um, as a um, freelance kind of landscape coastal photographer, uh, lucky in the area that I live, in that when I first started out, there weren't many people who were um, working in that way. There weren't many um, photographers around shooting locally, um, being close to the city of Liverpool, which is very vibrant culturally, gave me many, many opportunities for exhibiting, for working with um, other artists and um, sort of art collectives, uh, for commercial work. So for sort of nine or so years, um, I was producing um, sort of more representational landscape photography images with a bias to this area, because that was what was working for me commercially, but also traveling to these places that I, I sort of felt an affinity with. Um, and linking with you know sort of galleries or, or opportunities there um, so all that was sort of happening and, and there was no grand plan I sort of had a plan at the end of each year and, and never thought I would end up doing that you know years and years ago um, but after a period of time I just found I say I got to this sort of stage where I felt I was doing too much commercial work felt that I was um, repeating myself over and over again um, 
great that I was getting sales, but I was kind of going through the motions of pressing the print button and it was older images that were maybe selling and I was like, oh, you know, I feel, you know, creatively a bit lost. Um, and, and then also, I suppose, this need to be doing something a bit more um, literally hands-on and, and I was starting to feel that the, the camera, although I loved uh, for many years and still do, being behind that viewfinder and um, and shutting out everything else and everything being you know sort of peaceful and calm, whatever the weather's doing. So all of that sort of continued, but I was finding in some ways, especially locally, maybe because I was so familiar with my local landscape, that um, that it was um, basically almost the camera was kind of becoming a bit of a barrier between me and the landscape, and I just wanted to kind of take the camera away for a while and see what happened in terms of immersing myself directly with the landscape, with a piece of paper, with a cyanotype-coated piece of paper. So it was getting rid of, you know, the, the that sort of, the digital getting rid of pressing a button, getting rid of being on the computer for long hours. Um, and although I still do that, I've gone much more in this sort of hands-on direction and, and away from the the commercial and it was just a big leap really I thought well you know either this is going to fail I'll never sell anything ever again and I'm going to have to go and get a proper job somewhere to sustain me or else maybe it you know it may work and and it sort of has it's a different market and it sort of has worked a bit so, um but yeah it was a definitely was a, there was a big creative crisis I would say um back in 2016-17 which which led to that but it sounds like you, what you did, absolutely right, was follow your heart, follow that intuition that was telling you that you needed to be more paper, paper-led rather than shutter-led, maybe, um, and to, to get away from being behind the camera. It's, it's quite a, um, a big, big thing to be able to do to understand that and to just go for that. Um, but I think when we do that, it's the times when we do that, and I see this over and over again with people, the people that will follow that real gut intuition, and even though it doesn't really make sense, um, and do something that they love doing will find a market they will find their thing because they love doing it um, it's really really important so it's really nice to hear it's wonderful I'm quite excited talking to you I feel like I just love your work so much and it's so different um, it's really nice so I wanted to just ask you about your books as well because um, I'm quite interested in bookmaking as well um, but I haven't quite refined the skills yet <laughs> Can you tell me how you got into making books? It was probably it was all everything goes back to this creative crisis in two thousand and sort of sixteen seventeen really where you know but basically I mean just to reiterate again it was almost like I was either going to give everything up completely you know I was going to give up the photography just didn't feel it anymore at all so it's either give it all up or try to you know reinvent in some way or move on in a, in a you know in a different sort of format if, if you will so so yeah sort of went off in the kind of cyanotype alternative kind of uh, photographic processes direction but also and that kind of talking about the perfectionism that was sort of fulfilling the kind of um side of 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 the um sort of challenging the perfectionism side of things but the book binding was kind of, t- and the book making was sort of tied up with with that kind of still wanting to make something um, um, sort of, you know, piece of art, use my photographic images because, I, you know, I was experimenting for almost two years with the cyanotypes and producing, you know, rubbish for the first year or so. So 
So I needed something in the meantime to also kind of, you know, focus me creatively, I guess, or to, to inspire me creatively. And I think at that time, uh, John Blakemore was doing um, some workshops, some bookbinding workshops, which I'd seen on Twitter and various friends on Twitter and social media were going off and doing his workshops. So I thought, like, oh, this, you know, this could be really what I'm looking for. One of those eureka moments just before I'd even tried it, thought this feels like it's the right thing to, to go and have a go at. So um, sort of went and did a, a workshop with, with him and, and, and completely kind of got the bug. Um, and basically it's been a way of getting images off the hard drive that were languishing there for you know, years and years and years. I was so focused on this kind of single decorative image which was, you know, either in a gallery exhibition or was made for a commercial client or just for me or whatever. So this single image thing going on, whereas on the computer I had many, many, many images on there, as we all do, and many, you know, sort of false starts of, you know, series created or partly finished um, and and looking at through all my files and all the stuff there, there's, there's, there's collections that could be um, presented in some way. And um, that sterility of them just staying on the computer was kind of not good enough really for me. So it's like, I need I need a way of presenting these. And exhibitions are expensive, aren't they? Let's face it. And you need, you know, you need a gallery to be behind you or you pay for a space and um, and the pressure is to sell, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and a book is a completely different way of presenting your work it's a different experience isn't it it's tactile you can come back to it you're turning pages um so um you know it's it, I say it's a whole different thing and I've loved books for years and years and used to you know read under the bedclothes as a child um so although I don't read as much as I would like to these days so so I this idea of then translating it to a way, being a way of presenting photographic work initially was you know really really interesting to me so it kind of stemmed from, again, you know, creative block, as it were, in terms of how to use the camera. So actually stop, uh, review, look, what have I got on the computer? What can I do with all this? And then, oh, gosh, there's a way that I can present this. Um, and, and just happened to, to love it, you know, love all the processes involved. And it did speak to that perfectionist side. I know I keep mentioning it, but there is, you know, in terms of the actual sort of um, the, the, the making of the books, not necessarily the concept or, or the design ideas, but the making of it, you, you know, there's precision involved. So it's not necessarily for everybody, um, but, but yeah, that, that sort of fulfilled that, that detailed work side of things that I do like to kind of get involved in. Fantastic. Are they, um, they're just um, bespoke books, aren't they? So um, limited edition books, are they? Yeah, so I've sort of fully embraced, I guess, the, the, the completely handmade, really. I mean, and, and these days, or so I guess when I first started, so yeah, sort of, you know, 2006, 2000, sorry, 2016, 17, so you know, sort of five years ago, what have you, um, there was less of the self-published uh, on dig- by digital press, um, you know, these sort of small run editions that, that a lot of folk are producing these days of their work, which is fantastic. But I've never gone that down that route as yet sort of got some ideas um, and whether I'll take the plunge at some stage. Uh, but, but for the moment, I, I, you know, I do love the handmade, you know, every single element of it, because everything's within your control. Basically, you can choose your materials, you can choose the exact format, whereas, uh, you know, the, the threads, the binding, the papers, 
it can end up being you know a little bit pricey which and then obviously it takes you many many hours um of, of making and prototypes and throwing things away and cursing um so therefore you can only ever make a handful because you just you, you know go out of your mind otherwise basically um so uh so yeah it, it suits your work as well though. it's perfect um but your your latest book tell me what latest book um it's a high water is this, is this a new water. book yeah, it was lockdown inspired. Gosh, haven't we all had those? You know, we've hopefully sort of had a little bit of inspiration in different ways, wherever we may live, wherever, you know, whatever we've been going through. I know some people, you know, people have produced, produced different sorts of work or not, you know, it doesn't matter. Joel just kind of survived the whole thing. But with being so close to the, you know, I'm 50 yards from this big old beach, but there's kind of you know, there's, there's not a lot there. There's a lot of sand, there's a lot of sky, and there's a lot of sea, but there's not a lot of kind of man-made structures in terms of focal points. But I do walk out there, you know, at virtually every day anyway, and certainly during lockdown, you know, I was out, um, I walk the sands daily. And I know, after all these years, you know, I know the tide times, I know where the gullies are, I know where the sandbanks are, and, and how it changes. I love seeing it, you know, evolve over all these years. So it sort of made sense that, you know, sort of maybe during these lockdown months that, that, that maybe any work that was going to come out of it was sort of related to the beach and and um, ended up being related to the kind of the, the ebb and flow of the of the high water tides or the high tides that, that sort of come in. And I, I found, I mean, the walking was obviously therapeutic when we were able to, to get out, but basically sort of found that whole kind of you know ebb and flow of the tide that regularity if that's a word that that regular ebb and flow that um you know it sort of you know comes in twice a day um you know the tide's going to come in it's going to go out it was comforting during the the time that we've all had in this last year and the not knowing and the anxieties that everybody had so to be out on that beach and be you know watching the tide come in as it always does you know, all over the world and connecting it because, you know, obviously not able to travel. And I find, you know, the sea connects us all. So there's all those, you know, all those kind of, you know, ideas and concepts to do with the sea. But because I'm so tuned in with the tides and I'm very aware, you know, I literally look out of my window and I'm seeing the tide coming in. So I know when it's in and out each day. And we, we have a very, very gently shelving beach. So there are no huge waves but the tide goes out a long, long way. So, um, so on a very high tide, it'll come right the way up to the promenade, and and you know you can walk to it very easily, the edge of the of the tide line, the strand line. But on a uh, on a neap tide, so on those kind of smaller high tides, as it were, it, it's it's a long way out. Even though it's a high tide, you can you know walk sort of quarter of an hour or more to to reach the water's edge. So I'm very aware of those kind of levels of water, if you will. Um, so the project, you know, just in one of my walks, you know, these ideas come to you. So I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll use the cyanotypes to kind of record that moment of, of high tide. So I'm ex so in the, the way that I explained to you right at the beginning, where I'm exposing that sheet of paper to the tide and to the sand, and, and it's the tide, the water, and the sand, and the sediment that's making marks on the paper. What I want to do is mark a moment in time. And, and the moment in time was about high tides and lower tides. And, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll carry on doing this week in, week out, because basically each week, of the year, you'll get a very high tide, and then the next week you'll get a, a much, much lower high tide, as it were. So there's this constant kind of graph, as it were, 
that happens throughout the year based on the moon and lunar cycles and what have you. So it's all quite, you know, sort of scientific, but to me it's quite poetic as well. Um, so so basically I, I took sheets of paper out to the tide line at different times of the day, and I've got my tide charts here, and the tide was making marks on those pieces of paper at, at those particular moments. And, and it was a nice, I kept it going for sort of six months, so starting with the very highest tides of the year are generally September and March, these kind of, which um, tie in with the equinoctial moons, the, the, the sort of full moons at those times of year, we get very high tides. So I started with one in September and then just kind of weekly made a, a cyanotype print sometimes in the dark, because when we got into winter, it was most, I didn't think that through at all. It was gaily sort of going out there until December. I'm like, oh my gosh, actually these tides now, I'm into kind of the dark, the kind of twilight hours. So how do I do this? Because there's no sunlight. So what I did then um, was a bit, you know, sort of slightly, I don't know whether it was cheating, but the, the I sort of took the paper out sort of in the dark or with a bit of torchlight and a little bit of moonlight, maybe if I was lucky, um, and let the tide wash over it in the dark and then left the sheet of paper out there pegged down with some, you know, driftwood or something, but marking where it was, walked back home, which isn't that far away, and then went back when it was light the next morning to retrieve the piece of paper, which then had been... Um, sort of you know the sun had exposed it by then and there were shapes and patterns appearing so I wasn't taking just this wet damp piece of paper back home in the dark so you know you learn things um, as you as you have these projects um, as they evolve so basically a six a six month kind of it kept me going during um, during those long because the, the winter this year I, I'm sure it's probably the same for you and many other people. It just felt like a really long one, a really long Fair, one. Fairly long, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it's um, mm-hmm. what 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 I'm thinking that's really interesting is that how we, we you can take a subject like the sea and then find uh, a, a, an almost a, an interest. You've got a real specific interest in the ebb and flow and the tides and that's what I picked up on quite a lot when I was reading about you because I'd never really although I love the sea and I'm always working by the sea it doesn't really come into my consciousness I know it's there but it's not something that I picked up on it's the waves that I picked up on so mm. it's really interesting how we can all have our own mm. real specific yeah. part of interest yeah ab- yeah absolutely it's you know it, it, it's important isn't it to, to that people don't have to Say, oh, you know, it, it's all about one particular thing. You know, it's the the C which equals X, Y, Z. You know, it doesn't at all, and that can that can apply to any subject. And we each bring our own our own history, our own thoughts, our own whatever we've read, our influences, etc. We bring all of those things, don't we? To uh, and after years, hopefully years of doing, you know, whether it's photography, mixed media, whatever it is that you're um, using as a way of self-expression, we um, we bring all of those experiences to that. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> ebb and flow for me. And I, I, I must admit, I hate just a sort of little aside. And uh, I mean, although I live right by the sea, I don't like being in it at all or on it. Um, so I, I, I skirt the edges and I'll, I'll kind of, you know, paddle in the in the shallows. But I'm I'm pretty frightened due, due to a, a teenage experience, you know, um, a near drowning kind of, you know, getting caught in a in a in a tide locally here. And just that's, you know, it sort of sticks in your mind um, all those years and all those anything. You know, this is a powerful, dangerous force out there. 
So um, yeah, I, I prefer to be I'm, I prefer to be on dry land, but I love that literal landscape, that kind of those edges between um, the land and the kind of near shore parts of the sea, really. So the dunes and the rocky foreshore, the strand line, and that that edges of the ocean or the sea, basically, but not in it or on it. <laughs> Thank you. And so you you are basically doing uh, you're bringing yourself to your work, aren't you? Your your personal experiences they're all mm. all there within your work, which is the ultimate, isn't it? And I think that's really to be aware of that as well and to be able to articulate that is is uh, wonderful. Um, and it's very very clear with you. It's you're in that work, and that's I think that's why I. I, for one, respond to it very um, sort of just immediately. So wonderful works. Thank you so much. Can oh, you just tell us um, one thing, uh, the, the the kind of, uh, do you do workshops? Do you sell? Do you exhibit? Um, what what's, it, what's your work made up of? So I, I would say sort of in terms of, because I'm doing this hopefully to make a bit of a living, um, I would say 80% of my sort of work or in terms of, you know, sort of income, as it were, comes from print, either print or now sort of original artwork kind of sales, as it were. Over the years, I've sort of, I mean, I I have run workshops, um, generally one-to-ones. At one point, I was running photographic workshops with a colleague locally, um, but I've never particularly, I I think I did have a section on my website, which I've now taken down, actually, um, to sort of advertise those workshops, but it's I sort of more I'll do workshop workshops if people come to me, and that's what's ha- tended to happen over the years. That I'll be doing an art event um, or an exhibition, and people ask if I'd run a workshop, and and I will then. Um, but it's not something that I sort of advertise greatly. Um, and what I'm, I think what I found certainly during lockdown, because I did have workshops sort of listed on my website for photography. I was doing a a few um, sort of basic cyanotype ones, Uh, did a couple of um, sort of bookbinding ones just before lockdown. But and I've had some inquiries since. But what I've sort of found in terms of the, you know, when you reevaluate everything during this year, this rotten year we've all had, um, that I really at the moment actually don't want to be doing any of that at all that I just want to um, spend time exploring um, the, the work I want to sort of you know take it in whatever direction it's going to go so um, so I guess my sort of income now is more reliant on sales rather than workshops very little commercial work put that completely to one side and I guess whenever I'm making sales at the moment by you know mailing lists or Instagram or whatever it may be and hopefully you know exhibitions and and galleries are sort of open again now um it's i'm sort of seeing it it buys me time so it's not it's not buying me trips around the world you know we're not at that i'm not at that level of um, income from selling artwork but it's buying me time to experiment and to um you know explore what i want to explore at the moment and see what direction it takes me so so it's been sort of quite good in a way this past year to make a decision to say actually for the moment I'm not going to go down that route and be tempted to kind of say, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I must do the workshops because it's more income, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm just leaving all that to one side. For the moment, we shall see. I'm just concentrating on um, sort of, it's quite indulgent really, um, you know, concentrating on that uh, on that ex- ex- exploration of, you know, new media and, and different um, experimentations really. We shall see. Ask me in a year time. I'll be I'll be flat broke probably. <laughs> 
It is a gift, though, isn't it? Time is a gift. I'm not. I was nodding mm. as you were saying that. I totally understand that it buys you time, and it's time to be to be creative and time to be out there in the landscape. It's so valuable, isn't it? It's just amazing. So, um, I, I wish you well with your with your sales. Um, do you want to just tell everybody where um, they can find you? So maybe Instagram, your website, that sort of thing. Yes, so I'm, I'm mainly on um, Instagram these days. Um, so, um, so any sort of new work um, and kind of processes and what have you. So I post on Instagram underneath my own name. I don't know whether you put um, links underneath the. Um, I will do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, so under Marathi Linus, um, I'm on Twitter and Facebook as well under my own name, but uh, but less so. Um, and on my website, I've just started to add because um, we'll be running open studio tour again this year. I take part each year on the Wirral. I've done it for about 10 years, apart from last year when it was cancelled, obviously. So that's back up and running again in September so people can actually come and um, you know, visit, hopefully, COVID safely. Um, we'll have all the windows open. There's always a westerly breeze blowing here, so there'll be plenty of ventilation. So I'll be opening the house and studio again. I've got a couple of exhibitions coming up. Um, one in sort of the Midlands, a group show coming up with Tarpy Gallery in sort of Leicestershire, I think, at sort of August, September. Um, a couple of events, but they're on my web. I tend to sort of update my website, which was obviously pretty barren last year, and now there's a few things starting to be added, and people can obviously you know, sort of join mailing lists and what have you if they if they should so desire. But yeah, it's the kind of exhibitions, art events, um, and open studio tours. Hooray for being able to show work in the flesh finally. That's brilliant. I'm sure people will will look you up. Um, So thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. It's been great talking to you. Thanks for listening today. I'm truly grateful for you taking the time out to listen in. If you feel inspired in any way, I'd really appreciate it if you could share or review the show. You can also share it on Instagram and tag me or reach out with any thoughts. I'm at Margaret Soraya and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.